over the past week, I've been involved doing bits and pieces around the church. And one of the things that uh, I help Remy with is, is to replace banners about the place. Uh, and just hanging these banners, th this particular verse stuck in my head, and it's taken from the book of Micah. That's Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And it's a simple question, and it's a beautiful question, which is, what does the Lord require of you? When it all boils down to it, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your Lord. Now, over the past week, uh, we've decided in this incoming week, we decided to, to pull the plug on a reflections evening that we had arranged. It's called Walk With Me. Uh, and that phrase, walking humbly with, with the Lord, was resonating in my head. And it's a shame in a way that we did pull the plug, but for good reason, um, various COVID-related things. But as we enter this calendar week, it's very important for Christians. Uh, when we try to walk again that path that Jesus took, and first of all, I would encourage you to sit down with the Bible and, and just follow that narrative again uh, from his entry into Jerusalem right to the cross itself. And that's why we've kept the curtains open this evening, just to remind ourselves to focus our thoughts on the cross. So in a way, tonight is very much a reflection on our walk humbly with God. Allow me to open for us in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come here tonight and we fall down before you. We ask for your forgiveness for the things that have uh, kept us from you, whether it's the words on our lips or the thoughts in our heads. And we pray for free access, Lord, into your presence because your sacrifice covered all of those sins with your blood. And we pray now to the Holy Spirit that you would enter into this place, the Spirit of Jesus, and that you would fill each of us and meet each of us where we're at, and that as we sing these songs of worship, they are an offering to you, Lord, from ourselves to you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.
isn't it good to remind ourselves of the story and how exciting it is to be in God's presence? Uh, so this next song is a reminder of this on the wall, and it's called Your Love Never Fails. Yeah, you make all things 
And now the part of the evening I've been looking forward to. This is going to be good. We have a very good guest with us this evening in Brian Holt. No, I meant Paul Bradley. <laughs> uh, and Paul will be interviewed by Brian Holt. So can I invite the pair of you to come to the Life Lounge, Lounge City? Welcome, um, and that's to Life Lounge, and obviously um, I extend that welcome to, to Rhonda and Noah and Beth. It's very good to see you again, and the height of this guy is amazing. Oh, it is absolutely amazing. And you're obviously, Paul, you're no stranger to us here. No. Um, I think it was back in 2019, possibly. Yeah, yeah. That, um, you came to us to do part of your training for the ministry. Yes, yeah. And you were here on a number of occasions up in the pulpit here. Mm -hmm. um, and those were good times. Um, and you're now uh, assistant minister in Trinity Grey Abbey and Clocky. Okay, yeah. Um, but I'll maybe come to that later on. Yeah. Is that okay? okay? I just want to sort of go back to the beginning of when you were a wee boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, cut it short. Um, if you go back to sort of maybe your early days and tell us, you know, where you grew up, who you grew up with, what schools you went to, what influence your mum and father had with you. Um, could you go back for that for us? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I grew up in Malisle. I'm the middle boy of three sons. So we all grew up going to Malisle Presbyterian, and it was Morris Galt at that time in Malisle Presbyterian, that was his first charge. So if you knew how long ago Morris Galt was in Malisle, you can probably work out what age I am, I'm sure Alvin knows. <laughs> but yeah, so I grew up going to Malisle Presbyterian with my, my grandparents were both elders in the church, so my mom, she worked seven days a week, and my father was in the parish, so my granny, she took us to church every week, you know, and my grandparents, they had a huge influence on me as a young boy, you know, going to church, and they discussed many things with me, explained things, and yeah, so I grew up in the church around the age of maybe 10, as some of you already know, I had epilepsy, severe epilepsy, and there was probably never a day that went by where I didn't take a seizure, sometimes multiple seizures in a day. So this kind of, you know, it caused me to be a bit shy, you know, with my peers, and they were, I think my friends and my peers, they were scared of, not me, but the epilepsy, you know, having seizures, shaking violently, it scared them. So there was a little bit of teasing and things. And so I, I started out as a bit of a shy young man, you know. And my father, as you know, Bran, I've told you before, was in the Paris. So my father, he was in the Falklands War. And my father was my hero. And... Growing up, my father was into all sorts of different sports and, and things like that, especially rugby. So that's why rugby is a huge thing in my family. My mother, hardworking woman, she worked for the Ministry of Defence as well. She worked seven days a week, as I said. So both my parents, you know, they were hardworking, had a huge influence on me, my grandparents as well. School-wise, I went to Malal Primary to start off with. Then with my father being in the Paris, we moved up to Hollywood in the Palace Barracks. So I ended up going to Redburn Primary then for a little while, and then I went to Hollywood High School, it was known as then, for one year. But because of my epilepsy, it caused a lot of issues with learning and teachers being trained how to deal with this. So I then went to a school up in Belfast called Cedar Lodge, where 
Reverend Valerie, if any of you have heard of him, his wife was the headmistress there, so my granny knew her. And so I went there, and the teachers there, they were trained to deal with epilepsy and multiple, you know, illnesses and things like that. So it's, it was a special school, basically. And then around the age of 15, we moved to England. My father had finished 24 years in the parachute regiment, so my granny in England, she was ill at that time, so we decided, well, we're going to move to England. I was 15 at that point. Okay, so... Okay, so um, obviously you had a Christian upbringing with your, with your grandparents. Yeah. yeah. Um, and your dad was in, in, the, in the army. Yeah. And served as part of the army. And he was someone who was very interested in sport. Yes. You were yeah. saying? Yeah. And is that where you got your love for, for rugby in particular? What did rugby yeah. start way back then with you? Or? Yeah, yeah. So my dad, he, he played rugby in the British Army, cricket in the British Army, football, you name it. My dad was involved in it. So very sporty man. He, he used to take me to all the matches and things, so that's where my love of rugby comes from Yeah, I, as a young kid. Friday night when he finished work, rugby on the TV, you know, that was it for the whole weekend, so yeah. Yeah, well that's your, your, your my passion is rugby. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. And I was at Dublin yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Didn't come out too well yesterday. No, it Paul, didn't. You know. didn't no. I blame the referee, but we're not going to say any more yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so your teenage years then, so at what stage did you meet the good lady in your life? And what, 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 what difference did she bring into your life, Rhonda? So growing up with epilepsy, like I said, it caused me to be a bit shy. And, you know, Rhonda would probably tell you a bit shy, she said. <laughs> so Rhonda would say socially awkward, you know, a bit of a recluse. So I was in England. I did some computer qualifications and things over there, but I came back when I was 19, I think. And that's when me and Rhonda started dating. So, so I started going out with my cousin from Malai, and I discovered, as many young people do, alcohol. Okay? Absolutely. So being a socially awkward, shy young man, I discovered alcohol, and it kind of gave me confidence. So... I met my lovely wife while I was under the influence of alcohol. I'm not yep. sure that was the right answer to that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I knew Rhonda from growing up in Malaya, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. that was as kids. Sure. So I met Rhonda and we enjoyed being together. I basically stopped going out at that point, didn't I? Yeah, Rhonda. Rhonda enjoyed being in my company, even when I wasn't drunk. So that was great to me, right, you know. Sure, sure. She accepted me for who I was, socially awkward or not. Sure, sure. And Rhonda always, you know, she encouraged me and gave me confidence. And, and steadied your life. Yeah, yeah. Well, that pretty much sums my life up too. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I met Joan, she steadied me right down. So she did, you know. Well, I hate to see what you were like then, bro. <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, we're not going to that part of it, so we'll not to know. Um, so then, obviously, through time, um, uh, Rhonda and you decided to have a family. I know that was a difficult part of time of your life, with, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, so, you could just tell us a bit about that. Okay, so we got married in 2005, and basically straight away we started trying for a family. But after many years of trying, nothing. So we went to the hospital after numerous tests and months and months and months of tests that came back unexplained infertility. So we had basically, you know, to us, we were never going to have children. But together, we decided, look, we'll try going privately for IVF. We'll give it one go because I'm sure you all know IVF costs thousands of pounds, and we just got married, so we didn't have, as my mum would say, 2D to rub together. So we managed to scrape the money together for, for one round of IVF, and we, got a let, we were just about to go on holiday to Florida on a 
letter come through the door, your bill for IVF, you know, pay the bill, and you'll start in a couple of months' time. So Rhonda phoned them and said, look, we're going to Florida for three weeks. And they're like, well, when you get back, fill out the form, send it in, and then we'll start your treatment in six weeks' time, or something like that. So away we went to Florida, great holiday. We came back. Everything was grand, just about to, to fill out the forms and send them in, and Rhonda comes running into the house. Now, I want to get one thing straight, okay? Rhonda told her sister she was pregnant before she told me, <laughs> okay? So she comes running into the house. I think I'm pregnant, right? She'd already done three tests, I think, okay? And then she says to me, get into the car, we're going to Boots over at Bloomfields. So she buys seven more. I kid you not, this is not a joke. So after 10 tests, Rhonda was pregnant. So what a great holiday to Florida that was. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, amazing. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Carrie, go ahead. No, no. And that was through the grace of God. That, yes, absolutely. The grace. We'd, we'd just come to the conclusion, you know, we're never going to have children, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. the way it was. Yeah. yeah. With us. That's amazing story. Um, obviously, a very trying period at one stage, yeah. but to come out with such success like that at the end, yeah. it was just through the grace of God, absolutely. Yeah. And now look what you have these two here, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. Noah. And Noah's a good rugby player. He is, yeah. And he, he plays for Ulster, does he? Or, yeah, yeah, he was playing for the Ulster under 16s development squad there. For the year and he also plays for regent house year 10 so he's just about to start the meds next year which Ooh, as you know brian it's a serious that, year that's you a know. serious year <laughs> absolutely serious year um okay well what's our love our love for rugby our love for your for your family obviously um but our love for rugby um but you know there was one other thing that i um i just found out about you and you just happened to squeeze it in after we had had a little chat together and I, maybe you should have been wearing blue suede shoes tonight because <laughs> you're one of your big fans is the king elvis presley yeah is that right yeah i think i might have said it from the pulpit when i was here oh, did you really i, uh, I right. probably did at some point yeah but i'm a huge elvis presley fan so as a young boy i don't know how because nobody in my family likes elvis but i discovered elvis at about four years old and I've been obsessed with him ever since. Right. And growing up with the epilepsy, Elvis's music was a way, you know, to calm myself. And even I would say now, Rhonda knows when I'm stressed because I'll stick Elvis on. And oh, really? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's just growing up, his music calmed me down and, you know, gives me a sense of. And all his music? Now, uh, <laughs> I brought something with me here tonight. Um, a lot of people mightn't recognise this. Oh, well, I some know. The older folk will. I know what but that the is. Older yeah. folk are, do, you, do you have that vinyl or anything? No. I it's probably Elvis, do have that Elvis vinyl. Elvis Presley, um, uh, The Hand in Mine by Elvis. Yes. And they're all I do have that song. in vinyl. Now, I was, yeah. never a, I was never an Elvis Presley fan, but I remember buying that. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I thought they were absolutely fine. He, could, he was a great singer. Oh, yeah. He was. When it comes yeah. to, well, far as me, I was concerned, um, gospel music. Yeah. I was never a, a great Elvis fan. But um, do you know, anybody know what that is? Eight track. Yeah. Eight track. Remember the eight tracks? I don't know whether you could ever get that transferred onto some sort of other media or not. I'm sure there's a way to do I'm it. Sure yeah. yeah. See if there is. I'm going to send it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll get that under another sort of media and I'm going to send it to you because I, you, still, you think you have that, do you? I don't have it on 8-track, so if you're giving it to me, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> no, well, well here, <laughs> you want to take it? And no, I'll, you, I'll, keep it, <laughs> you keep it. I'm only I'll, find, I'll find out. Um, yes, go, go, going back to rugby again, actually, um, there's been a lot of talk, Christian players throughout the year in, in rugby and in international rugby, um, people like um, Michael Jones, Sir Michael Jones, yeah, New Zealand yeah. player. Yeah. He, um, he had an issue with regards to how dangerous rugby was for a Christian 
um, you, you might do somebody some serious damage, maybe um, put, them out of, put them out of work or whatever, um, injure them badly, mm -hmm. and he thought of himself, I'm being a Christian, how, how can I do that? Um, <laughs> somebody asked him that question one day, and he said, um, well, it's better to give than receive. Um, so have, have you any thoughts on that, being, being a Christian in rugby and how dangerous a sport is? <clears throat> yeah, I've thought about this a few times over the years. But for me, you know, rugby is a sport. It's a sport. I, it it's is. not, you don't go on there, well, you shouldn't go on to a rugby field with the intent to hurt somebody, no, you know. No, no. You're playing a game, you're there to win. So my opinion would be, as a Christian, it's a sport, you know. I agree with that totally. Because if you hurt somebody, you'd be heartbroken, you know. Oh, nobody I'm wants to injure anybody. No, absolutely or, not. You know. But if you have somebody coming towards you, you're going to take them out. And we always say, take them out! You know? And sometimes I think to myself, you know, as a Christian, how can I do that? I could yeah. hurt this guy seriously. Well, but anyhow. You never think I'm going to take him out. You do what I shout at Noah when he's playing, round his legs, round <laughs> his legs. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. So, um, maybe I could come to um, your current work in, in Grey Abbey yeah. and in Clocky. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a wee bit about what you're involved in there and how, how you're getting on? Obviously, it's going to be another, what, year or so before you get a calling? Yeah, I've been yeah. another year so. Yeah. If you let us know a wee bit about what, how, how you're getting on down to Grey Abbey as assistant. Yeah, so... My role in Grey Abbey would be a bit limited because Neil would spend most of his time there. Neil's the, the reverend down there in Grey Abbey and Clocky, and Grey Abbey was his original church. So if you know the story, Clocky, five years ago, I think it was, was closed for a while. So, and they were, they were merged with Trinity Grey Abbey. So since then, Trinity Grey Abbey have been trying to build Clocky, so Neil, he needed some help doing that, so he applied for an assistant, and I would be primarily based down there, but I'm involved in everything, you name it, preaching, midweek, yeah. the yeah. youth fellowship, what am I missing? There's more than that. Oh, I, the cafes, the community outreach work, everything. Now, I do have a bit of a role in Grey Abbey because I would preach there, I would be at the cafes there, but yeah. So uh, that's, that's going really well. That is moment. going very, and, very and well. Obviously getting a lot of experience while you're there yeah. to someday have a calling and yeah. have a church of your own, which will be probably what, next September, September? Yeah, uh, next year. Uh, next year at some stage, yeah. which will be a difficult time for you too, getting all these letters coming into you and you know. So yeah, well, I'm trying not to focus on that to, now. To, I'm just, enjoying just, my time. Just you know. what you're doing at the yeah, well, when, you, when you consider Clocky was closed five years ago, yes. on a Sunday morning we would yes. have between eighty and a hundred people now. Sure, you know, sure, sure, worshiping every Sunday morning. Yeah, that's, and you told that's me that Rhonda is actually um, involved in in something in the church too. Is that? Yeah, Rhonda's involved in the youth the fellowship. Youth fellowship art or something? Oh, oh, her painting, you mean? Her painting? Oh, yeah, uh, Rhonda. Not right? Rhonda's, Rhonda paints. She's painted me quite a few lovely Christian paintings. and. Lovely, lovely, yeah. And you keep all these, Rhonda, do you? <laughs> I did not tell Brian you were an artist, did I? <laughs> Yeah, I think she's underplaying it now. Are oh, you underplaying it? She definitely, is, definitely, definitely underplaying she's it. Underplaying yeah, it. Definitely underplaying. You also, you also mentioned to me last time we were talking, Paul, um, about Uganda. Could you tell us? Is, is that a yeah. charity you're supporting over there? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So during lockdown, Trinity Grey Abbey and Clocky, they both adopted a mission organisation each that they would support. So in Clocky, it's Challenge Ministries, which deal with things in East Watini and but in Grey Abbey it's fields of life. So during lockdown Grey Abbey paid to open a early learning development centre for young people. I think it was sixty thousand pounds they paid to open that. So in November I'm going over 
to Uganda to officially open this early learning centre. Now it's been open for about six months already, well, but I'm going to officially open it. Yeah, it's something that's very close to my heart because I went to Grey Abbey during lockdown. Right. So right, I've yes, seen this yes. this centre being built, and sure, you know. Sure. And that, that's a fantastic experience too for yeah, you, isn't it? Yeah. And do you think they'll have a little plaque up on it and Paul Bradley has opened it for... Well, that? you know... What do you think? I can only hope, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul, listen, thank you so much indeed for coming along here tonight. Mm -hmm. um, it's always great to hear um, where you've come from originally um, and how, how your faith has, has, has been so bonded um, and how you as a family have grown well together and how... Mm -hmm. I, you've been blessed with having the children, and um, and who you are now, you know, you you and I have you and I have got on okay. So we have yeah. over those last few years. Yeah. You're a special kind of guy, as far as I'm concerned. Apart from the rugby part of it, um, and um, we uh, I think we we bond okay. Um, so I want to thank you very much indeed, and I want to uh, wish you uh, God's richest blessings thank for you. the future. Um, Obviously here and, f and further afield and into uh, into your next venture. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Thank you. Well, thank you. Hello. Thank you, Paul, and thank you, Brian, for taking us through that narrative. Um, each time we have a guest on at Life Lounge, we ask them, do they have a song that is special to them? So uh, join with me now in Blue Suede Shoes. <laughs> 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 so uh, the song that is special to Paul uh, fits really well in with what you're saying about how God shaped and molded your life. This is a song called Yet Not I, and it just speaks of Lord, it's not me, it is everything of you in me that makes a difference. And that's a sort of a statement that we, we all wish we could make more often. So, yet not I.
Father, we want to be led by and into your love. And for this week ahead, Lord, we would ask for your presence in our lives, uh, that we would have the time set aside to sit down in the quiet with you and refresh our spirits with you. Lord, don't let this next week just slip by like another Easter pending, but let it be a narrative, a refresher, a reminder in our own lives, for what your Spirit can do, wherever we are in our faith, that we would look afresh on the cross and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to close by singing a couple of worship songs. The first one speaks of how worthy it is to come together like this on a Sunday night, how worthy it is to God. Uh, as we bring a song of worship as a sacrifice and then to close the evening just to say thank you Jesus for the cross and for what's ahead of us.
close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this privilege of being in your presence, this privilege of vocalizing our worship of you. We fall down before you, Lord. And in this week, we get up and we walk humbly with you. In the name of Jesus, amen.